so I have a former coworker at GameStop who uh, keep in touch with. He's good friends still, yada, yada, yada. Um, and they have recently hired a guy who they said interviewed very well, very well. But turns out he's a complete idiot. And <laughs> he sends me a picture and I was like, so, so he's eating Chef Boyardee for his lunch. Cold out of the can. Oh, <laughs> and sends me like a picture with him, like, you know, taking it, you know, sneaking a picture of it. And I'm like, does he know that there's a microwave right beside him? Wait, top, 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 how is it more convenient? Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> he told you that it's more convenient for him to eat it that way. That's what he said. Yeah. To not microwave it, to just eat it straight out of the can. I, I was curious if either of you knew someone or, you know, personally could top it. Because I don't think you can, personally. I I do not. I mean, yeah, my I, niece does mustard on watermelon, but I hear that's a little more regular than <laughs> old ravioli out of a can. <laughs> out of a I can. mean... That's like that's weird. You can tell this guy does this regularly. <laughs> like he just has it. that look about him. Yeah. I get I get you got like a can of like, you know, the the the, the fruit you know, canned you, fruit, like peaches in there, or something. Canned fruit yeah, or something. Yeah, I get that. Cold pizza. Like cold people will eat cold pizza. Oh, I get yeah. that. Yeah. But you generally heat it. It's been at least the pizza's <laughs> been, been heat. Cooked. At least yeah. the pizza's been cooked first, like before. Like, ain't nobody pulling the frozen pizza. And it's like, let me thaw this and get a slice. <laughs> Welcome to the Gaming Trend Podcast, the official podcast of GamingTrend.com. My name is Anthony Shelton, and I am joined by David Burdett. Hello there. And Noah Rigsby. Hi there. Hello. In this podcast, we talk about the biggest games of the week, games in our backlog we should have played a long time ago, and what you need to play. Guess what? We finally have games now. All three of us. This is great. So... We'll talk about One Piece Odyssey. David did a preview for Chia, and I have some thoughts on Cart Rider Drift. But before we get into all of that, we got some good news to talk about. And it's not good news. We yeah, just not have really good. good stories. <laughs> stuff Spicy. to talk about. Spicy, Spicy stuff. Yeah. So, David, go ahead. Take it away. Well, I guess the easiest thing to start off with is Microsoft laying off 10,000 employees. Uh, that is never good in general, but this also includes developers from 343 and Bethesda. Uh, not to mention, we've heard that it also includes people from the coalition. So, oh, yeah, that IGN reported that. Mm -hmm. So... Uh, we found out that Joseph Staten, the one who was brought in to save Halo Infinite, he's not even going to be there anymore. He went back to Xbox Publishing, and the campaign team, spe campaign team specifically at 343 seems to have been gotten hard with some of the different corroborations that I have seen 
it is upwards of 140 people at 343 that have lost their jobs, a third of their workforce. Didn't know there was a number on that. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yep. So Ow. lots of uh, really bad things going on in that studio. Uh, that studio specifically. Obviously, any of the studios, any of these jobs, uh, I definitely express my condolences to any developer, any of these people who've lost their jobs because losing your job sucks. Uh, there's nothing like it. I've been blessed to largely not be worried about that. And, uh, you know, I can't imagine to be like, especially there, there's somebody I actually met from Microsoft uh, in one of my trips to E3 that been with them for 15 years and is now looking for work. So it's just hard to fathom all that's going on. But, uh, you know, it, it is affecting more than just the gaming side, but obviously we focus on the gaming side, so I'm sure there's plenty of thoughts going around on on all of this. Yeah, and imagine like that's I would put money on it that that was something that they were given zero notice on. It was probably they logged in to their computer and got an email, whether they were remote or office, got a you know a fun morning email saying, "Hey, you know." We're letting you go. Uh, that's that's never never a good good thing for anybody. No, not at all. Um, all right, so I'm kind of the Xbox guy here, right? So <laughs> I have three takeaways about this. Number one, Xbox is dysfunctional. I'm done defending them. There's nothing else to defend at this point. There's too many stories. There's too many anecdotes. 343, The Initiative, Rare, Lionhead, which is closed. I wouldn't be surprised at this point if Turn 10 had some issues because we haven't heard anything about Forza Motorsport in a while. Yeah. I'm done defending them, okay? There's not enough accountability. There isn't. I work for an organization that largely lets us, you know, kind of do what we do. They're not breathing down your back. They're not helicoptering over you but they will eventually hold you accountable for the decisions that you make, whether they're good or bad. So I figured it had to be similar with Microsoft. It was a humongous organization with hundreds of thousands of employees. But it's clear, upper management didn't do their job. I don't usually like to make sports examples because I know a lot of people don't pay attention to sports, but to me, this feels like the Los Angeles Lakers right now. You have greatness in LeBron. Joseph Staten was LeBron for 3-4-3, okay? You had greatness there. But the reason why the Lakers aren't working right now is because the team chemistry isn't there. It's not because they don't get along because of their personalities. It's because their play styles don't work together. And whose fault is that? It's the general manager, the one who put the team together. And guess what? The Lakers got to go out there on that court and figure out how to win with a bunch of dysfunction. And at the end of the season, who gets the blame? either the coach or the players. And so it's management's fault and they, uh, for 343, and they decide to lay off a bunch of people who did nothing but work their tail off trying to function within dysfunction. Yep. It's terrible. Number two, Halo is, Halo Infinite at this point, it's clear it's a dud. And I hate saying that, but. Oh, I hate it too. Because the bones is so good. Of the game, yes. the bones of the game are great. Very much shows so. the passion. <laughs> yeah. Yep. <laughs> but the at talent. this point, it's 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 a dud. It's not going anywhere from here. 
you don't lay off staff from the developer who holds your golden goose. That's not how that works. Halo is supposed to be your flagship franchise, and you lay off people in the midst of them trying to rebuild, not even rebuild, I guess. I guess that's not the proper way to say it, but steady the ship, maybe. Steady, perfect. Correct. That's perfect way to put it. Yes. So Microsoft, by laying off these people, is saying Halo Infinite is a dud. Move on. I'm not saying 343 is not going to create anymore, but you're not going to produce better stuff faster with less resources. That's just not how, that's not how that's going to work. I mean, kudos to Game Informer, right? They had layoffs. They're still producing content, and it's good content. But game development is very different, and now they're trying to do a live service with less resources, and one of the complaints about 343 in the first place was what? It's too slow. Now they have less to work with, less people to work on the stuff. How much faster is it going to be? Yep. So at this point, I feel like Halo Infinite's going to be like Overwatch 1 before Overwatch 2 came out, where there was hardly anything happening with it because they were working so hard on Overwatch 2. In this case, Halo Infinite, now that they ain't got the story beat stuff going on because Joseph Staten is gone, I, I hoped that maybe there was enough bones there for the story stuff so maybe they just need to execute it, create it, you know, put it in place so that way they could release it. But apparently they didn't get far enough for that to happen. So that's not going to happen at all. So now they have very little or nothing to work with. So now they have to figure out what are they going to do with less resources for a live service game? Yep. It's not a good spot. This is very sad. Uh, I just I don't think the multiplayer is going to come back in a significant way i hear a single player will be you know they'll work on a single player new halo single player later which means the multiplayer will likely stay as a free-to-play game and that and they'll just kind of iterate on this i'm fine with that but it won't be close to what it could have been at this point ever i mean maybe it could get revived when the br comes out if there is a br um or maybe when that single player launches cool but it's never going to reach its heights at this point. Last takeaway, and I don't usually like calling for people's jobs, whether I'm talking about sports or whether I'm talking about video games. I get it. It's not classy. It sounds extreme. Whatever. Fire Matt Booty. I'm not saying he didn't do anything good, but just getting Halo Infinite out is not good enough. The lack of accountability costs the company money, and it costs people's jobs. Maybe inflation would have... You know, cost people's jobs anyway. I know other tech companies have been laying people off, but my goodness, this you you cut where it's not working. Apparently, Microsoft was like, "Hey, this isn't working." So Matt Booty was either too distracted or not good enough to hold three four three accountable. So we're seeing problems with the initiative. We've seen problems with Rare. It doesn't matter about those other developers that are already doing good because they were already doing good before Microsoft bought them. Mo Yang, Bethesda. Double Fine, Obsidian, Id, Arcane, Playground Games. They were already doing fine. So you can't take credit for soaking them up when they were already stable. So that's on Matt Booty. And then it's not going to get any easier because you're trying to buy Activision. So Matt isn't handling the, the studios that are directly under his care. The ones that they didn't even buy. Of course, I know he's still caring over the ones they did buy. But you're not taking care of those. You fumbled your baby, and then you're going to give him more? No. Go get somebody else. I would have come for Bonnie Ross, too, but she bounced. So 
All right. I'm done. She saw the she saw the issues. She saw the oh, cracks. Yeah. She pulled the, the foundation. Pete USC. She, he was like, I, nope, I'm gone. Yeah. And, and I don't blame you in the slightest for all that you're saying, because uh, I kind of already said some of the things you did you, when I talked about management. Uh, <laughs> it's it's what it we see it and we're starting to see a lot of it slip through the cracks because a lot of former halo devs are starting to talk on some of this apparently a one who now works uh for on apex legends uh, tyler open owens said as a halo fan this is a direct quote i'm really tired of microsoft's business practices and policies slowly killing the thing i love between the contracting policies they abuse for tax incentives and layoffs in the face of gigantic profits and executive bonuses, they set Halo up for failure. And honestly, that pretty much tells you everything you need to know beyond the fact of uh, if you want to go look at somebody else, Patrick Wren, I believe I shared that actually when we were having our initial thoughts on some of this stuff. And he said that the reason that Halo Infinite is in a bad spot and the layoffs happen is because of incompetent leadership. So it's it's just bad. Yeah, it it's not a good look at all. Like laying off all of these employees while you're in the middle of you know the biggest acquisition. It, it's not a good look. And I've said it, you know, referencing the the Ubisoft. Ubisoft, however you said, um, when that whole drama was going down, that it, its responsibility is from the top down, and and until they recognize that, I I'm worried that this isn't the end. I'm worried about what happens next. Are there going to be more? You know, is there going to be another huge layoff? It, it's just kind of scary to think because it just came out of blue. So what else? You know. Are they cooking up that we just don't know about yet? Well, you throw things under the guise of we're reorganizing. We're reorganizing that. Restructuring. Yeah, restructuring. Yeah, Yeah, that that doesn't work. And you're about to add one of the biggest costs in the industry. At least you're trying to because, honestly, if I'm the FTC, uh, CMA, and the EU, I'm licking my chops right now because what am I able to present in court? that they just laid off 10,000 people in the midst of adding 10,000 more people. And that suddenly they couldn't afford all those people, but yet they can somehow afford a $70 billion acquisition. Like all these IPs that they want to read. Not if you don't have the people to do them. Not if you're mismanaged. If you're showing your management is this bad, I mean, at least call at least Activision's dropping a cod every year. <laughs> yeah, and they'll do whatever it takes to drop that cod. <laughs> like, yep, they will bring in twenty studios if it means getting a solid product out. Yep. They, uh, I mean, their earnings call is coming pretty soon, so I imagine this is a measure they took beforehand to. I don't know. If, I don't know if it's to please investors. I don't, you know, I don't, I don't know. But, you know, uh, are they saving for their bottom line, like for Q4? Like, I don't know. Yeah, for sure. The worst thing, the worst thing automatically is when you see all that, like when you see Nintendo, where dude literally says, Wii U underperforms, I'm taking a pay cut. But here, all the executives get bonuses. Like, this is, this is where it's ridiculous. 
Yeah. Um, but yes, I, I'm sure this is about the bottom line. Yep. So this is about how do we get the most of the shareholders and things like that. You're a publicly traded company. I'm just saying go about it differently. You, you, yep. you lay off people from the studio for your flagship franchise. And this is how you treat it. Okay, we, we see where you're at. This is not your flagship franchise anymore. You're moving on from Halo as the thing. Game Pass is your golden goose now. And that's fine. But it's unfortunate that other people who worked so hard to get this thing out, probably there was some crunch involved, now gotta go. Because y'all mismanaged it. Mm. That's well, ugly. And, and here's some a direct quote from Phil Spencer back in August of 2011. If we lose our way with Halo, we lose our way with Xbox. Xbox does not have the IP, the the branding to keep itself big when they lose Halo. Halo is their biggest brand. They it it, it should is. never have come to this. It it should have been treated with more respect. I I I'm not giving that on three four three as much as I am because it sounds like there was a lot of passion. The management people, as much as I am on the management of it because one of them there was there was actually a. Let me see if I can find the actual quote, but somebody said they felt like they were gaslit. Um, they said having been run through, it was a uh, Zara Varen, uh, who was a former employee said having been run through that contractor cycle for nearly six years. Can you imagine contractor for six years on that? Not an employee contractor. Yeah. It always felt like being gaslit to hear how much leadership cared about us and our opinions, but seldom invited it where it felt like it would do the most good to make a difference and we'd get con conciliatory inaction. Conciliatory, yep. Yep. I mean, it's just, it's awful. It's it's awful to see what should be, like you said, flagship getting nothing. Like it's not getting treated correctly. And, and what's even more worrisome is <clears throat> it sounds like rumor wise, they're planning to license off the Halo IP to studios to make things uh, like it. Not not in sense of like it's going to go to like PlayStation or something like that. That's that's not going to happen. But that's when Mario having someone off by Ubisoft. Hey, you can use this for Mario plus rabbit, you know, or, or having someone make a halo game for you as opposed to your own internal. But to me, that shouldn't ever be the case. No. You should not have no. that, that to me. It almost loses its soul to a degree because that is your game. That is not anyone else. You should be the one taking care of this. It's fine for other people like the halo BR to come from somebody else or whatnot, but man, get make your game, make the game, make, let your people who built this IP build it. Yep. This was supposed to be like, you know, the great reset, like the next evolution of halo. And it's, it's, you had one job and it was to not mess it up, not pointing at the devs, just getting the product yes. out this in a positive and solid manner. It, you had one job and it's just completely 180 of what it was supposed to go. They were set up to fail. Yep. Uh, and that's from day one because of them having to work on that new engine. It should have just been on unreal. Unreal. 
I don't mind them having to work on the new engine, but set them up for success. Don't put yeah. demands on them well, that are unreasonable. People, if you're contracting people and you're using a new engine, then that's just silly in the first place. Because contractors like they're not going to know your engine your internal engine if you make them employees then they can take that and continue with your engine and making it better con it just it makes no sense that i guess that's really what all of this boils down to is it makes no sense (laughs) that like and that's why like you said someone needs to be held responsible for it because it makes no sense in a in a time frame where you should be at the top, we just had the, we had that pandemic boom. Instead, we're bare we're barely over a year into the Halo Infinite development cycle, and we've already lost a third of the team behind it. You got nine years, almost nine years left <laughs> that you said you're supporting this game. We're gonna be lucky we get through year four. What content are they going to get now? Like, are they just going to be doing like winter updates? You know, <clears throat> summer updates I mean, twice a year. If like, it, I don't if it becomes to, if it if it becomes like over like Overwatch, you'll get an update here and there, and it'll just kind of keep sadly just, going on. So, do you think Halo dies now as a franchise? No, that it won't die. But I'll tell you this: it's going to be a while before we get a full on another reboot because you have to reboot from here that there is no continuing infinite like you you have no, you to don't find out to. how to yeah i just mean that you're not going to have an infinite too like you're you're going to have no. to find a way to restart this franchise again again because yeah, infinite that's... was supposed to be the restart and you it flopped and you cannot keep and it's mainly because you can't keep yourself associated with it at this point because of that fact, you have to take those bones and try to build something new, uh, brand new, with some great people behind it. And that's the only way you're going to be able to do it. But it's going to be years. I mean, you, you're talking, we could be five, six years down the line again without another Halo, before, or before we get another Halo. And that sucks. Like, just, just the thought, we may get to another console cycle. And we just went through that with the Xbox One. Just Especially when you that. think like how long dev time takes now. You know, if you yep. start from the ground up, you're looking at at least a four to five year cycle. Oh, it, it, that's so, at least, yeah. Because because even established studio, even established studios at this point take four to five years most of the time. It's not it's everybody's Insomniac, not everybody's Obsidian. Yeah, I agree. All right, what else we got? We also have the other fun news of a battle pass found in a leaked screenshot from Suicide Squad. And the UI looks... So somebody made a comment and they said, I looked at this screenshot and at first I thought I was looking at Call of Duty. And then I noticed the big shark. To which I made a joking comment of, in all fairness... A big shark wouldn't necessarily mean this isn't Call of Duty, <laughs> and they they were they were like, "Wait, is there a, is there a shark <laughs> operator?" I was like, "Nah," but they had in Vanguard they had King Kong and Godzilla, so ain't too far off. There's some. Gonna, they're gonna do a team up with Jaws next, I guess. 
Yeah, there's some studio <laughs> dev is just like write that down. <laughs> like, they, how how can we manipulate this picture so that we're we don't get sued? <laughs> um, we know that this is true because at first it was like this is leaked from 4chan. It's like ah, oh, this might not be correct since it's from 4chan. Then VGC confirmed it, and then copyright strikes strikes started taking it down. As soon as copyright strikes start coming in, it's probably real. So I guess some of the questions, you know, that I have with this really is one of the main ones is what kind of game are we getting from Suicide Squad? Like, I, I, I thought I had somewhat of an idea. But now that we're pushing at this whole live service thing, it's like what are we getting out of them? Cause battle passes aren't necessarily, at least in my mind, they aren't good for everything. No, they're not. Um, we talked about it a little bit, you know, earlier than I, um, is, are they going to, you know, content cycle this like Marvel's Avengers? Cause that was not good. You at don't want to, you don't want to be in the same <laughs> breath as Marvel's Avengers. Like, like what's, what's their goal. Um, and then copywriting it down, it makes me think, you know, it's already out there. Why are you wanting to take it down? Are you not confident, you know, in the product before it even launches? Like, I, I just, I don't under understand the, the thought process, um, but it, it's scary. I, I'm definitely, I'm more nervous about it now than I was previously. Yeah. Much more skeptical. Well, and we hadn't seen a lot of gameplay from Suicide Squad yet. We'd had, we had one major trailer with gameplay and then we've had i think two to maybe three just cutscene cgi trailers mm -hmm. so so we knew kind of a little bit of what it looked like and at first i was thinking oh this is this is a open world co-op game so this is it's built by rocksteady this should be fun but then like everybody's looking at that battle pass i'm looking over there and seeing chapter select like wait just a second. I know it's not a precursor to this being non-open, but to me that to me a chapter select if it's part of the final build, that means that this is mission based so you're going to be in areas like they may be open, but it's areas like uh chapter selects don't usually exist in a lot of open world games at least in my experience because you're it's all mission based on you completing things through this open map how you want to <clears throat> maybe maybe I'm completely wrong on that that's just what I'm thinking but and, and maybe it's a maybe it's a function to help get everybody on the same page so that everybody's in the same mission but it just seems like the wrong way to build this game uh, especially when Gotham Knights just came out and has pretty good actually co-ops one of the best parts of that game because it's drop in drop out so I, I just i don't understand some of this stuff because especially if it's not open then why are you making it these closed level co it, it, it's even more similar to marvel's avengers and once again that's not exactly what you want to be compared with even though i i i'm on the side of i think marvel's avengers a bit better than people think but i also don't think it's what i what it's not what people want, obviously. Yeah, if I'm if I'm designing a game and designing like the content structure and the layout, the last thing I'm going to do is look at Marvel's Avengers and be like, "We should do something similar to that." 
you know, it's just not, it's not a good source material to, you know, structure your game around. I don't have a problem with Marvel's Avengers and how they structured their game. It was whether the game was good or not, and it was not great. I thought the campaign was fine. Yeah, it was the it was the stuff afterwards that was super questionable. But a chapter select is a couple of ways that could be handled. So I know Halo Infinite they patched in a way to select specific missions that you want to replay, even though it's an open world game. If they're doing something like that. Fine. I'm okay with that. That is no different than Destiny that acts as an open world game until you select a specific mission like a raid or something else uh, or strike mission or something else where it does become linear. So as long as it's fun, I don't care how I play the levels. Um, It's entirely possible to be in an open world and then go, you know what? I just want to do this specific mission again. That was fun. And if you don't want to do that and just explore the open world, I feel like that that option could be there. I'm I'm fine with that. The the battle pass. That is weird cuz it does change the dynamic of like what this game is. I'm totally in agreement with you guys that it is concerning about, okay, what is this game then? Because yep. you're trying to read the context clues. You're trying to look at the chapter select. You're trying to look at, okay, what are talents? What Okay, what is, this looks like a tree type of thing. It sounds like it could be a tree, so that means there's got to be enough available to level up and do these different things and get stuff. But what's the battle pass then going to do? Is it going to is it gameplay altering stuff? Is it just cosmetics? Like, do I get extra buffs to tree? abilities talents I, xp boosts xp boosts <laughs> which could also be sold on the side yeah so it it makes it interesting uh i don't i don't care like if it turns out to be like it's a battle pass we're just trying to figure out how to make a single player game stretch monetarily fine you're a publicly traded company you're trying to do that kind of stuff i get it in that case i don't care i can not buy it and as long as the game is good fine i'm i'm fine with that but yeah you you don't you, you we're all guessing now like is 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 this the thing that we think because if the battle pass is just a part of the single player doesn't really influence the game itself all right cool sucks because it because you can feel the we're trying to suck the money, yeah. <laughs> you know. It's just like it's it's one of the it, it doesn't feel good. But if it doesn't really impact the quality of the rest of the game, all right. I imagine there's a separate team, hopefully, actually communicating with the original team, unlike Halo Infinite, that it, you know that will make it so the I guess gameplay team for lack of a better way to put it isn't bogged down in trying to figure out how to make this battle pass uh worth buying into whatever the case which, may be which might be why this game has taken like eight years to come out <laughs> right <laughs> so <laughs> but yeah I told, uh, I told noah today i was like why is this in this game because they had a perfect game that released in October of last year that a battle pass would have made more sense to me 
about in and it's called Gotham Knights. <laughs> like I actually would have understood that I feel like more than this even with them no. pushing like some of the live stuff with with it. Like it, it would have made more sense. Yeah, I agree. I I'm finding out more and more that game development is really like just your regular old job. <laughs> like they could be in the middle of development and somebody's going, "Hey guys, yo, okay, we're we're kind of hurting right now, so we need to figure out a way to put something in. Can we do a battle pass? Can we make that work?" Oh, yeah, that probably would have been better for Gotham Knights. You know, like oh, <laughs> yeah, fine. We'll, yeah. we'll figure it out for suicide. Sure. All right. And here we are. You know, like it could have been that mundane and boring in terms of like how this thing is implemented. But you know, it, I don't does it does it look like it works? No. Um, I just hope it doesn't impact the game because it it yeah. look it does look interesting. Yeah, I'm Rocksteady, though, it, it, even with all of this being said, even if everything turns out kind of fine overall, Rocksteady has fumbled the bag as hard as a dev can possibly fumble the bag because you took one of the most successful superhero IPs and made three extremely successful money, especially monetarily, games out of it. And then you decided, let's do something else instead of Arkham 4, which would have made a crap ton of money. <laughs> and you put it all into Suicide Squad, which is not even close to a bigger IP than than anything else that is being. I mean, you could have gone with Superman. You could have gone with Flash. You you chose Suicide Squad. I'm not saying it's a it, it's not a popular IP. I'm just saying other things will sell bigger. <laughs> there are plenty of things DC has that will sell bigger than Suicide Squad. You pick that, and then you add live service stuff to it, which not only doesn't look good to people, but it took you eight years to do this. It took eight years to make that screenshot. It took eight years. <laughs> I so never you, wanna... you fumbled this. You fumbled the the. The, the leads of the studio are leaving. This is what makes it even more frustrating and more worrisome is, oh crap, now we've got even more context to this game that has been behind closed doors as to what it is. And now we're start. I'm starting to attribute that to these guys leaving. <laughs> oh, I, I get why you go with that story. I, I never want to attribute like... And I, not it could be like, nothing. It could be, it could be. It, but it also could be something. I just, just I never want to like fault a developer for trying oh, to yeah. do something new. And no, no, maybe no, no, no. at the time they conceptualized the Suicide Squad game, maybe it was like, hey, we're doing Suicide Squad movies, we're doing merch, we're we're, we're doing whatever. Let's try to make a Suicide Squad game and see yeah. how that goes. And it could have started great with great intentions. We've seen the trailers. There's something there. Like you can watch a trailer and be like, oh, yeah, there's no meat on this bone at all. There's something there. So yep. maybe by the sixth year, it was like, mm, we're kind of we're kind of struggling with this one. Maybe it was taking longer than it should have. So now it's lost steam. I don't know. Yeah. But I don't I don't I don't want to fault them for yeah. even trying it in, instead of oh, going sure. with Batman Arkham. 
but I, it's it, it just feels like a fumble in, in the end of just because it shouldn't have taken it really should not have taken this long and, and and you yeah. yeah well my thing is like i just do, do devs like i know that they have bills to pay and stuff like that i just it it felt unneeded for this kind of a game with how they were presenting it to us like if you would have told me that Suicide Squad is going to have a battle pass. It was not going to be on my 2023 bingo card. Just no. it's the way it was showcased and stuff. You don't think that. And it's just, and most people, I, th- I think the industry and the community as a whole has kind of accepted that battle passes are the new style for posts, for supporting post launch, um, which is fine. But like, it doesn't need to be in every game. And um, and if they can implement it and give us a reason to grind or a reason to invest in the battle pass and give us an end game where we want to keep coming back to the content, then it, hey, all good. But I think most of us have learned that a lot of studios, especially ones who have not done kind of live service, if you even want to call it that, um, end game content titles, they generally don't nail it at launch it takes them you know six to eight months to gather feedback and then six to eight months up to a year to implement that feedback and so and then they're so behind putting new content into the game is even a bigger challenge so it's like do you have the manpower to not only you know delegate to quality of life improvements, fixing your current product while also still developing and making newer content to be released down the line. It's, I mean, if they got the confidence to be able to do that, then, Hey, you know, all for them, but it's just sketchy. I don't like it. (laughs) But bring up the hairs, hairs get up on the back of my neck whenever I saw that. And especially with them taking it down, I'm just like, I don't know. (laughs) so you bring up a great point with the grind when i was talking about if they could figure out how to have a battle pass and the gameplay still feels good and all that stuff i was not thinking about the grind now i'm thinking about the grind because yeah you got to figure out how you're going to implement a way for people to want to spend on the battle pass and then earn all the stuff or maybe maybe now that i'm thinking about it Maybe they don't care about how far people progress just as long as you buy it. So, you know, I don't Yeah, but you got to get them back for the second battle pass though. That's the only big thing. Yes. Um but you know, it could it could be one of those things where it's like, "Ooh, I like what's in here and then I don't really care about progressing it." kind of thing. Um I know I know I've fallen off a few battle passes just cuz it's like, I, "Okay, I'm done. I've I've gotten what I've gotten out of this." But that one item <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Um, so I, yeah, I the I hadn't considered that if this is going to feel more like a a, a glorified single player game, it is scarier. We'll, we'll see. Like it's, like I said, I, I need. Can you make info. missions worth repeating? That's really the what it boils down to. It's possible. Yeah. Borderlands does it. Destiny does it. Anthem didn't do it. 
Yeah, that's the problem, though, is yeah, yeah. (laughs) Anthem was also developed primarily as a games as a service, so it was, it was, but it's it's just funny. Like it's it's. I hope that they you know take inspiration from the ones who have done it well, the Borderlands, the Destiny, you know, and not from the bad ones. (laughs) So that I just I hope that you know I want it to be a good product. I was looking forward to it. I'm now going to wait, see how much content's there at launch, you know, see how they're going to implement everything. Um, but I, I mean, I still hope it does well. I think it, it'll be fine. <clears throat> they're the biggest problem is they're in the shadow of the bat. Like whatever happens with this, it's going to be measured up against Arkham Knight, uh, the sales wise. And, and of course, obviously the, the prestige of that game. So you're, I don't want to say they're fighting a losing battle, but to a degree, I feel like they are, because I'm not sure that they can sell as well as that game. And it, it's an unfair comparison, yes, but it's a comparison that's going to happen whether they like it or not. Mm-hmm. Agreed. All right. Is that all the news we got? Is there anything else? That, I mean, there's probably other news to, that we can like search up. Those something. were big. <laughs> yeah, I was like, but that's that's uh, a big that's a big first hour. I feel like. Yeah, there's some, <laughs> just there's some and that's just two subjects that just dropped. But yeah. <laughs> so. All right, then uh, let's move on to the games we've been playing. David, you've been working on a preview of a game we talked yes. about in our uh, top indies of, yes, or at least most anticipated indies of 2023. Go ahead, hit us. With your yes, I, I got the opportunity to preview Chia. Funny enough, I was I did my I had actually written up my preview during the time in which we were talking about these. So I was having to be very careful and hint at oh, things. You lied to yeah, us. Yeah, I had, I had already played. I had already played it as we were talking about most anticipated. And I'll be honest, it was not most anticipated until I played it. It oh. it. I, I kind of open the preview with that of, you know, we, we see these cutesy games, we think they look neat, and we just kind of move about our day a lot of times. We don't we don't always jump right on the, okay, this is something I want to play. But man, messing around with it, it's so wholesome and so much just fun to, to just run around and explore. Uh, I, I like the fact that, and you'll like the fact, Anthony, that there are no dis- uh, destructible weapons in it. <laughs> hey, <laughs> great start. For, some, for, for something that resembles Breath of the Wild, there are not destructible weapons. I'm in. Um, <laughs> uh, it's also a bit more structured. It, it does have some map marker elements and such. So that's been uh, that's been a lot of fun to get to to figure some of this out. What what's really interesting with the map though is you aren't on the map. Like a lot of these breath of the wild likes you see where you are on the map and you don't see nothing else on that big map (laughs) so so at least you're like yes i can place myself chia feels like it goes the opposite direction of as you go by things just walking around in the world things will pop up on your map as well as you can do kind of these assassin's creed kind of towers that will reveal things on the map and you have no idea where the heck you are. 
<laughs> because you're you do not have a waypoint of yourself. Ju you can just go by a where am I little button and it'll give you kind of a general area of where you are. So what's been kind of neat has been just going around and looking and being like, OK, so obviously I'm up on this big hill, so I know where I should be roughly. But then I can use some of these. Some of these items that I've walked past as as markers on my map as OK, I'm here. I'm I'm at this location and, and that's part of the charm of it because it's based on an actual real world location. This is actually a game made by only nine people and it's based off of new. I believe it's Caldonia is the name. And they've they've based a lot of the different locations and whatnot on this place where they lived on this little island in the Pacific and just it's really fun to run around and just look at these different these different landmarks and whatnot and use them to find my way around the world. Uh, and it's one of those things where I really want to know more about the story because they didn't give us a lot with that because the wholesomeness and charm makes its way into that with this little girl that just she just she just seems precious <laughs> and, and you just want to protect her at all costs. And some of the interactions she has with some of the different villagers and whatnot, it just it, it, it just made me just love this game all the more because there's there was a part where this girl was going to get a chicken for you because you that was part of the quest that I had spawned in on is I needed a chicken, but she wanted you to meet her somewhere and you go and meet her just up on this big mountain area. And you just sit there and you sing a she sings a song and you play your ukulele to it. And that's literally what the mission is, is to go and hmm. do that. And you do have the choice. One of the things I like is there is a bit of uh, approachability with the game and that they allow you to click a button and let the computer play the ukulele <laughs> instead of you having to do the weapon wheel. Go click the different notes. <laughs> Oh, which yeah. which yeah which that it's trailer, it's not yeah. hard it's not hard to do but it it does go on for the the song is not short so <laughs> <laughs> you, you get to a point sometimes you're like okay I'm, I'm just not i'm tired of doing this but it's such a beautiful little song and it seems like that's going to be full-on through this game like that's going to be a big part of it and i i just love it and one of the things that we're seeing on the the trailer right now is there's a soul jumping ability and that's something that a lot of people probably saw and they're like what the heck is going on because there's so much that's happens in the chia trailers <laughs> that that you you really have no idea what's happening and the soul jumping i love because it's not an overpowered thing it's not one of those things where you can just jump into anything and you're there for forever it's it's actually there is a meter that goes down kind of like your stamina that you have to keep an eye on, but it's it, it complements all the other abilities you have really well, because sometimes I'm just like, you know what? I don't want to go up this. I don't want to have to find a way up this cliff, so I'm just going to soul jump into a bird and fly up there and, and take advantage of that. Or <clears throat> one of the offerings that I was looking for was an egg, and I was getting frustrated because I couldn't find an egg. I'm like, I'm running around these chicken coops. I cannot find this. I'm, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> and then all of a sudden I thought about it. I'm like, okay, wait a second. And I soul jumped 
to the chicken, and one of my button prompts was lay an egg. <laughs> so I hit that button and then soul jump back out and then pick the egg up and boom, I'd accomplished that mission. <laughs> so it was like all these little things that you're able to do in this game. And I am just ridiculously impressed that nine people have put this together, especially I, I know you've seen it in the trailer last week. And then this week it is gorgeous. Like the, the game is just such super. it's it's a cartoony style, so it's not anything like super realistic or whatnot, but everything that's there looks so just beautiful. And it, it is a true they've said this is a love letter to that island, and it's a beautiful tribute that uh, that they've put together over at that team. I just I it's just awesome. I like the sound of it. I don't remember if I said this on air last week, but you talk about how you don't see yourself on the map. And I brought up Thomas Guides. I don't know if you yeah. guys know what Thomas <laughs> Guides are, but there's before Google Maps, there was the Thomas Guide. These little spiral bound books that had detailed <laughs> maps uh, kind of gridded out of cities and neighborhoods. So before you, if, if I wanted to go to a, a different state, I didn't know how to get to and then had to go into a neighborhood. I would have to use a Thomas guide to figure out what freeway connected through that state. And then, you know, obviously I know my city so I can go onto that freeway. But then I have to use the Thomas guide to figure out what exit and then use it to figure out, OK, where's the house and which turns do I need to take and all of that. So. You don't see yourself when you're looking yep. at the Thomas Guide. You got to look at all the context clues and the landmarks that you're passing by and figure out where you are at. That's what this sounds like. So yep. to all and those we've, people And I are, didn't even play the full game. I didn't even play the full like island area that they had available. So it's it's even bigger what, yeah. what, what I, than what I've got to play. <laughs> so I imagine, unlike real life, where there aren't... Uh, um, cr created and you know, I guess created landmarks to help you figure <laughs> figure out where you're at. I imagine Chia has some of that, so it's easier to figure out where you're at based on certain landmarks or items you place, or, you know, whatever the case may be. So I don't. It sounds weird, but it also sounds very interesting. Maybe it's calling back to you know my older self and my younger self. <laughs> you know, I'm older, but remembering using Thomas guides and looking at these things like, where are we mommy? But well, uh, I think it's an interesting way to do that. And the fun thing is it wasn't frustrating. Like that was, that's, that's the biggest thing is if you can implement a feature like that and it's not frustrating, then you're doing your job right. Cause you've managed to both give me the breath of the wild experience, but also managed to keep things structured so that I, I do, I, I still know where I'm trying to go. I've got to figure out how to get there. As opposed yeah. to, as opposed to figure out what you're doing, <laughs> like yes. being that open. This is okay. Here's, here's where you need to go. You figure out where to, how to get there. Where breath of the wild doesn't lead you to anywhere. This at <laughs> least, you, at least gives you the spot, but still allows you to have to search it out. It's not yeah. just go there. I like, I, I like that change. That's, that's yeah. a different approach. I like that. Do you have any reactions, Noah? It just looks like a like a relaxing time, like like one of those like de-stressing kind of games where you can just you know 
hop on and just chillax and just kind of explore and experience it and not be, you know, action everywhere and constantly stressing about which yeah. decision or, you know, the fight. So it, it definitely is one of those for me. It's, I talked about it with, um, the plucky squire, which we showed last week, but it's one of those, it's a good, I call them like break games where it breaks up the monotony of like these big triple a open world, you know, action, you know, straight up always in, and it just gives you a break to kind of chill and relax and do your own thing in a trying to think about where you don't feel like pressured to beat the game in a timely fashion. And yeah, so it, I'm, I'm looking forward to it just for that, that aspect. That's what's really intriguing me. And you know, I do like the, the non-destructible weaponry much like Anthony. So that's always good to hear. And it is the, it is very chill. Even the combat encounters are very, uh, not, not, frustrating or, or or not intensive should i say would be the best word for it how's the score for it like uh score? well it, it's just Music. it's just, oh the score uh, it's very minimal like it, it it's not necessarily breath of the wild minimal uh there's still Ambient. plenty of kind of I, I guess a good way you could put it is like it, it's got those kind of the island kind of flutes in the background okay like i know it's okay. there but it kind of if it makes sense, it fades into the background to a degree as you're playing the game. So you stop thinking about it, uh, but not in a bad way of stop thinking about it. Like it just becomes a part. It be, yeah, it becomes a part of what you're doing. So I think the immersion aspect too really seems like it's top notch. And I would imagine, especially since they're pushing this to be this, like said, this tribute to where they lived, that that's part of why it's so immersive. But I believe they actually, all of the devs ended up flying out there to take a look at it and talk to the locals. Uh, one of the things that's actually really uh, charming about the game that I didn't know that it was going to feel that way at, at first is the entire game is spoken in the Drehu language. So mm. there's there's no English audio or anything like that. Uh, it's all subtitled. So you're you're you are reading subtitles, and that's uh, people who've listened to this podcast know I am not a subtitle person. I do not want to read as I'm trying to pay attention to something. But this game, because of just how cutesy and whimsical and wholesome that it is, it it had me hooked on still paying attention to it, and it obviously adds a lot to to the way the presentation is. Yeah, I mean that that's a that's a Zelda concept where you see the yep. the text pop up and you hear the gibberish that they talk. They don't have a language. It's all gibberish. So this they took that concept and were like we could do that with our own language and just have this the the text there. That yep. Yeah, that's a great and, way to implement that. And as far as I remember reading, it's it's all actually people from new caledonia they they brought they had local talents do the voices so oh that's cool that's awesome yeah that's really cool <laughs> nice all right uh so that was chia uh, and it will be out this spring that yes out this the spring, spring. It, it is coming to pc as well as to playstation platforms it's not coming to switch interesting not not yeah. right off the bat at least 
that oh, that screen switch title to me. It, yeah. it does. Oh, that's what I was gonna say. I was going to say when I watch it, I actually haven't listened to this trailer with uh, the audio yet. Um, <laughs> when I watch it. I just feel Wind Waker when you're in the open world on the seas or like the island. Like I just, I just yeah. hear the wind. I can feel the, you know, just the like Noah said the chance of it. I'm not the biggest Wind Waker fan. I think it's a fine game, but uh, that game can be very relaxing when you're out of the combat, just kind of out in the seas, just exploring. It could put you to sleep in a in a good way. Because it's just yeah. so, like, it's so chill. Put you at ease. Put you at like. ease. Yeah, it puts you at ease. That's what this feels like. From again, I could just hear from the sound effects down to the look to what you're doing. It it has that kind of inspiration behind that. I think that's a good thing. All right, Noah, what have you been playing? Much like. The series and the manga. I've been playing the long-running game <laughs> that is One Piece Odyssey. And it's a <laughs> yeah. legitimate Odyssey. Um, <laughs> I am about, I would say, thirty hours in, and I am just at chapter three. <laughs> um, so yeah, prepare. Like most JRPGs, you're you're going to be here for a while. Um, <laughs> I'm playing One Piece Odyssey. If you couldn't guess by the length of the show that I referenced. Um, so the funny thing, like David, you wouldn't have liked this game because it is entirely subtitled. There is no English dub, which I'm perfectly fine with. I've watched the entire series subbed and, and great because they brought all of the voice actors, the original cast, everybody's coming in uh, mm. to do lines and voice work, um, which just makes the game that much S tier, in my opinion, when they do that. Um, did they? So, did they uh, have they done that for previous One Piece games? I would. I have. Uh, if you, this if is you my played first. them, this is oh, my okay. first because okay. uh, right. whenever I've only been into the series for about two and a half years. Um, uh, okay. I gotcha. I had back surgery and was out of work. Was going to be like off work for like a month and a half, and I've been waiting to binge. One Piece because I knew how long I was like I, I'm gonna have to sit down and just wait for a stretch of time. Luckily, I had that stretch of time, and in about a month and a half, I binged the entire series. Because um, you know, when you're bedridden, basically, you know, there's not much more I can do besides watch yeah. the show. Um, but yeah, so story wise, this is a great pickup for anyone. Not only if you're a hardcore fan of the series like I am, but also if you're new to One Piece or are interested in the franchise, this is great for you because it's kind of like the spark note catch up. <laughs> so they're going through at least three. I believe there's four because they've shown clips. I don't know how in-depth they're going to go into each arc, but major arcs throughout the series that don't happen exactly as they did in the show but slight variations and it's because through the story plot line they're re they're reliving their memories and as we all know sometimes memories of past events for all of us are a little fuzzy they might not be exactly as they actually happen at that time um that being said story so far is great 
it's well written um but that's not the best part the best part is the characters the characters are tried and true the exact way that they act their personalities um even the tropes is straight from the source material so it's a carbon copy what you're getting in the game is exactly what they're like in the show and the manga um which was a big thing for me i'm like how how are they going to translate that are they going to put in all the inside jokes which is a big staple of the franchise um such as um Sanji, who is the cook, the blonde-haired fellow, um, he can't attack women, or he won't, because he's the gentleman character. You know, he <laughs> won't attack women. And in the game, when you encounter female, you know, bandits, pirates, with his character, you cannot attack them. Mm. So little things like that, I appreciate. Um, people who, you know, don't know the source material, they'll be like, why? You know? Um, but it's it's good for us hardcore um that i that i really appreciate is that something that's introduced in the game but not that's ne- not necessarily expounded so on it doesn't say yeah it doesn't really say ah, it's like oh you can attack with this character you know so it's kind of like that if you know you know huh i wonder things. why they did that interesting for me who's like oh i get why you know i'm the leonardo meme where i'm like oh yeah that's oh why. yeah sure uh, i understand that i but i think from a gameplay perspective i i still think it's it's funny and cool whether you've been following the series or not. Sure not, yeah. If, if it's, it's introduced in the game. Um, one of the things, I don't know if they just forgot to put it in, but like Zoro, who is their swordsman, he is horrible with directions. And you can swap between each character when you're running around. I really would have liked for them to, if whenever you select him to explore with, if your mini-map would have went away. <laughs> I think that would be a great feature. Um, Where you like don't Zoro see yourself needs a Thomas guide. He, he really yeah. do. <laughs> um, speaking of exploration, um, it's not open world. By all means, if you've played a JRPG, you know the like yeah. linear paths that you have to follow. The dungeons yeah. are pretty. Um, for those who have never played one, <laughs> played a JRPG or an RPG like this caliber. Not an open world, not even open area. There's specific paths that you'll go through, a lot of streets, a lot of corridors, stuff like that. So if that's your thing, great. If not, you know, is it, it, that's what this game is. So Tales of Arise, let alone the Tales of series, it, it can be loosely like open, but not really. Is it that or is it really that linear? It's it's very linear. Like you'll have okay. um, Interesting. different paths in the city. A lot of these um, places take place in the city. So like Alabasta, Water 7, uh, those you're mostly in the city for majority of the arc. So it's a lot of streets and alleys and stuff like that. You're not really in a big field or even the dungeons, like you're on specific pathways when you're walking. There yeah. are certain like nooks and crannies that you can explore and find items with to craft. Um but that's that's basically it. if you want a big explorative like trying to think go wherever of, like you a want. tales yeah no it's not it's not how it is well, tales <laughs> so you can't even go wherever you want really it, it's a it's a little bit bigger like some of the areas in tales of rise i appreciated yeah and they're then, big like, now playing now playing one piece odyssey i'm like uh, <laughs> this is one straight path um yeah. which is fine because the skyboxes and the environments themselves are very well done um 
I would have liked more uh, density in terms of like random individuals in the towns, but that's could be a tech issue. You know, it's it's hard to tell. Uh, yeah. Uh, and then next, I want to talk about the combat because with JRPGs, you got to have good combat because you're going to be doing a lot of looking battles. forward to this. So do tell it's a it's a variation of the grid system like that you've seen in like fire emblems and other you know turn-based jrpgs this one is much like the game an entry level if you're new to jrpgs or want to get into this genre this is not a bad one to pick up because there is no difficulty setting it's one difficulty but it's very easy <laughs> the game mm. is very casual um so your grid system, you have four to your party, and it's for the crew members. Um, at any time, you can swap out basically whenever, which I really appreciate. Uh, and then from there, it's got a rock, paper, scissors loop. So you have power, technique, and speed. Um, technique is strong against power. Power is strong against speed, and speed is strong against technique. So it's got the loop. Each character has your, you know, their own style that they use. So, like I said, very basic to some of the more complex JRPGs that we've seen. So that is that is the core of the gameplay loop. There, there's a lot of battles, like a lot. I'm probably I'm into chapter two, and I've probably hit around a hundred battles already. Which Are they random lot. encounters or stage? You can have, so you'll again if you never played a JRPG, generally you'll have like character models in the world or in your path, yeah. and you can run up to them and that'll initiate the encounter, or you can just bypass the them and run away. Okay. Yeah. And so from there, and it's good because you want to get XP because you're trying to level up. It's a JRPG. You know, you you unlock new abilities. All of the abilities are actual attacks and powers that the straw hats themselves use. So like I said, carbon copy from the the anime to the game. Um, the last thing that I got from my, you know, early on is kind of like what I said before, and while I kind of rounded off my rants about how much I love One Piece, it, it's a tried and true representation of the characters, the world, the lore, even the combat. Is it a good One Piece game? Yes, because of the source material and their inspiration. But is it a good JRPG game? I would say a good starter JRPG game. If you're wanting okay. an experienced JRPG player like myself who loves like the different tactical elements, you know, having to think and there to be consequence, you know, for your decisions, you're not going to get that out of One Piece. But then again, that kind of represents the franchise because one piece is a pretty it's not an adventure anime or it's not an action anime it's an adventure anime it's not meant to be a hard you know struggle it's it's meant to be a full relaxing. metal alchemist yeah it's it's not so <laughs> it's a good intro like if you are someone who wants to get into the genre this is a good Starting point, much like the uh, fairy tale game that came out a couple years ago, pretty easy entry into the JRPG 
JRPG genre with having a license behind it. So it, like I said, I'm I'm now in Water Seven. I think they're going to go through Marine Ford and then Dressrosa. So there are four big arcs that you know they'll give you the spark notes of the series. So um, if you are like, hey, I'd like to you know learn about One Piece, but you don't want to watch a thousand episodes, you can get the spark notes in a probably a because I'm going for the platinum, so I'm doing every single, you know, little side mission, you know, scurrying around. It's it's probably going to be about a 50 to 60 hour experience. So if you can catch up on One Piece <laughs> up to the Wano arc, you know, I, I think that's a pretty good little spark notes, cliff notes, shortcut to the intro to the series. Do you think if somebody like myself who has had no interest in One Piece, I watched a couple of episodes and felt this wasn't for me, but I've heard a lot of people say, you got to get past the first season. You got to get past the first season. Get past the first season, you'll be hooked. I haven't had the time to watch it. So I've always had a little bit of interest of like, all right, I- I'll figure out a way to squeeze one piece in at some point. This will be the game. So for me, who pretty much knows nothing about it, if I skipped side quests and things like that, would I still get a good feel for the game or do i really need to do side quests as well in order to get you know the whole even the whole spark notes version of this franchise like that's the the side quest um and then you know it's a show about pirates there are wanted bounties that you can go and collect to get currency the side quest it's almost like little easter eggs like you'll go and you'll you know they'll mention something and you'll be like oh i you know, as an anime manga reader, I was like, oh, I get that. You know, I okay. I understand that. But it's not the really nice thing is that the core of the story is literally in like the main quest that it gives you for each area. So it, it's good. and it's not something that like it's hard to pick up, if that makes sense. Sure, like, yeah, it's yeah, not yeah. it's not a comp. One Piece is not a complicated story. It's a rubber boy who wants to be king of the pirates it's it's not a hard concept <laughs> um, it really isn't uh but i i think it's a good intro because it doesn't overload you with info you know there's been a thousand plus chapters uh of this show there's a lot of info but it also makes it very approachable and accessible to people who it's like hey this is the bare bones of these characters personalities and from there, I think it's pretty easy to make an, a, you know, make a judgment on whether you're going to like the characters in the show or not. Um, and it doesn't change up their character styles, like it they stay true to themselves the entire way. So yeah, it's it's very approachable, accessible, all of the best of both worlds, really. I it doesn't do one thing particularly great in the sense of gameplay but it doesn't need to it doesn't suck at anything either. No, no, it, it does what I think their goal was to do. And it's make a good game for the fans, but also give people an access point into the franchise. Okay. Cause I easily think some would could play this game and yeah, they've gotten the spark notes, you know, the shortcut of all these big arcs that, take hundreds of episodes to you know go through but it could let them know hey do i want to put the time investment into the show 
because it's a shonen. You're gonna, it's gonna take you around fifty plus episodes to get hooked. That, that's generally shonen. It's twenty five to fifty episodes get you hooked. So this is a much easier access point, I think, because you know you're not just sitting at home watching a TV. You're actually getting to play and engage with the the product. Yeah, this, this sounds good for me. I put this game on the watch list, all right? So I, w- I wanted to know if it was good. Sounds like it's okay. Sounds like it's yeah. okay. So, it's, like I said, I, I could well. just rant about One Piece. So, But that's that's just a, a general One Piece connoisseur. Like a, it's like, okay, shut up about One Piece now. It's okay. There are other it's things besides One Piece. Good somebody. Uh, at some point, I will talk about my experience as a non-One Piece person. So I, I'm very curious to hear your take and your thoughts on it as someone who is is using this as an access entry point versus someone who's like picking this up because I just want more one piece. <laughs> well, yeah, I was, I'm also curious looking at it from the perspective of, I like JRPGs. Is this a good JRPG to just play something mm-hmm. right now? I don't have any JRPGs. Is yeah, one, you know, it's so fun. it sounds like it, it's kind of not for like JRPG players in that way. Yeah, if, if, if you're like yeah. the elitist, like Fire Emblem, hardcore, you know, no death runs kind of player, no, you're gonna get bored real quick. Or you know, um, you know, your Tales of Arise players, your your Xena Blade yeah. Gears, all that. You know, I, doesn't sound like it, but that's why I want to know. It the difficulty has scaled. It has gotten a little bit more difficult. Um, in like chapter three, some of the enemies they do hit a little bit harder and stuff. You're do- um, you're also doing everything. I'm not going to do everything, so I'm curious to know how we view that. Difficulty. How the power scaling? Yeah, yeah. because you're, you're kind of you're pl- trying to platinum. I'm not going to waste my time doing that, so I'm going to no, go don't. straight through the don't. main story. <laughs> yeah, so I'm curious to know is the game really that easy, or you know, obviously in a JRPG, if you do everything. It's going to be much easier to get through. Yeah, and we we talked about this before. I'm the kind of player where it's like, hey, you need to go do this for the next chapter, and I'll literally turn the other way and go complete everything else oh, yeah. before I move on. So <laughs> that that also probably makes things a little bit easier. All right, that is One Piece Odyssey. Very good. I'm looking forward to it. Hopefully, I can get a. I got a. a I'm waiting for GameFly to put it in my shipment send it to me but right now it's on low status which means a lot of people have rented it so might have to wait for a little while all right my game that i've been playing uh is uh a game called cart rider drift so there's franchise called cart rider made in korea they have made mobile games they finally have put a game out for pc so when i was looking at it it looked pretty good I put it on the watch list. I said, you should waste your time with this based on what I have seen. So I played it. I got it wrong. No, I <laughs> failed on that one. Shouldn't have put it on the watch list. Um, so but sorry, guys. A driving duck. <laughs> We're driving cactus, too. Thankfully, it's free to play. So you don't lose any money off of my suggestion. But it's bland. It's soulless. It's it is fun i especially have more fun playing with my brother who also happened to download it so i saw him online we played 
So it, it, it's fine. It's got good modes. There, there's, there's good stuff in it. There's just not enough seasoning on it. It makes me appreciate Mario Kart, Mario Kart a whole lot more. Um, because yeah, I've realized not a long track. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it is not. And to be fair, Mario Kart does not all the tracks in Mario Kart are, are long. But yes, uh, it's also a mobile game. So keep in mind, fast races. Everything has got to be yeah. decently fast for those short attention span mobile players. But I, I do feel like it's not so mobile oriented that it doesn't belong on PC. It feels like it does belong on PC. It, it's just a free to play game. <laughs> free to play game made by Nexon. You know, you know what you're getting with that. So, yeah. yeah. I never really thought about what makes Mario Kart so great until I started playing this. And I was like, this is missing something. I just, I don't know what it's missing. It's missing all the flair and pizzazz Mario Kart possesses. The spice. Yes. Now, Mario now Kart do you think Kart- that's more because of Mario specifically? Or do you think that that's something that they could add in without that br- the branded characters no they got added in the the branded characters it, it brings it down but it doesn't defeat it it's everything else as well the the sound effects aren't you know juicy enough the visual effects aren't really there the the details within the track it's it's a nice looking game but it there's just no flair to it i think back to mario kart 64 and you're in Luigi's Raceway, and as you're going into the brick tunnel, you see yourself on the screen, or whoever's in first. Like, you're in Wario Stadium. You see a giant screen. You hear the crowd cheering. You get hit by a shell. This is nice smash, boom, you know, all these kind of sound effects that just amp up the feel of what you're doing. Because Nintendo realizes this is a driving game. Not a whole lot of people really like driving games, so how can we possess this thing up? That's not what Nexon was thinking with Cartwrighter. This is, you're driving, and there's some stuff going on, and it's fun, but it doesn't really have that juice on it. You Mm -hmm. don't feel like you're going that fast, except maybe when you're boosting. The the drifting kind of feels like you're just sliding across the ground. It doesn't feel like there's any, like, kinetic physics going on, you know? So there's just those little details end up, bringing down the the fun of it all the tracks themselves very easy not a lot to them apparently there are some more difficult tracks in the challenges section but they're not in the matchmaking i don't know why Hmm, so it's weird yeah so you're always queuing up on the easy stuff and i'm like dude like first of all mario kart players are trying this out they know tough tracks. They've been through it all. Mario yep. Kart 8 has some very interesting, wildly and awkward tracks. Like that's Rainbow Road, no guardrails. Like we know we know tough tracks. <laughs> so it's weird that they don't have those tracks available in matchmaking. Maybe I'm missing something on that, but it certainly brings down the experience. The items are generally interesting. They There's just not a lot of them. So you keep seeing the same stuff repeated over and over. Um, So that part also brings it down. Uh, The the most interesting part to me that kind of drew me in was the fact that they literally have a mode set for no items. 
though, more so for competitive people. This is where the drift part really comes in. You have this meter fills up as you're driving and they call it speed mode. And so when you're in speed mode, you can get up to two boosts when your boost meter fills up. So if you drift, it fills up faster. Well, while you're boosting, it doesn't fill up at all. So you have to drift to fill it up while you're boosting. So it's very like tactical. You have to think about, okay, when do I drift through the corner? Do I drift in the corner here? Do I boost and drift at the same time? Those kind of things. Because you want to make sure you're getting as many boosts as possible to obviously get around the track faster. So it is thoughtful. It just doesn't feel great. That's all, yeah. that's all it is. It's fun. It <clears throat> functions. It just doesn't feel great. It doesn't have that... So it feels old after a while. And then with the tracks being so easy, you almost feel like, yeah, okay, I'm going through it over. You see right now, you know, there, yes, there's little humps here and there, but for the most part, it's flat. There's you, not, you know many, what to expect. Yeah. Yeah. You can kind of figure out where to drift pretty quickly. Not saying it doesn't take skill to maximize the efficiency of getting around the track. There's definitely that. But for me, I'm like, I feel like I know exactly where I want to drift, how I want to drift. Executing it is a different story. But in Mario Kart, I feel like even though it's become even more casual compared to a Mario Kart Double Dash or Mario Kart DS, I still have trouble every once in a while figuring out the best way to drift around certain turns. I have to run the track a few times. So yeah. this was like, oh, this is... Okay. I kind of picked this up really quick. So that that doesn't help its case. And then the battle pass doesn't feel satisfying. It's one of those battle passes where your progression is only through completing challenges. There's mm. you don't get extra progression for just playing the game. So once obviously once you run out of challenges for the week or for the day, you're just stuck. So it's not a long battle pass. It's five dollars. 40, 40, uh, 40 tracks. So it, it's, it's not long. I, I don't remember how long it lasts, but the items you get aren't really that interesting too. I got boost colors. I like that. I like my boost to look different. That's cool. Okay. But then I feel like that's mostly what I get. I don't care about creating emblems. You can create your own custom emblems. I know people would like that. I don't. So that's useless to me. There's, in-game currency you can get. I don't even know what to do with it. I have 17,000 coins. I go to the shop and everything is used by real money currency. I'm like, where's the stuff I can use for the in-game currency? Yep. So I don't know if it's not in there yet. Whatever the case may be, it's not there now. So that's yep. a knock against it. I have heard this is pre-season. So still though, give me something I can use my currency on. Yep. So I was actually going to say, like, looking at this, like, you're talking about, like, pizzazz and detail and stuff. It looks like all the detail, at least in my mind, was the characters and the cars in the microtransactions. <laughs> so well, you, that seems yeah. like where you'll get the mo That's what they're doing is they're like, if you want the pizzazz, if you want the details, the we're going to put it all into what you can pay for. <laughs> Yeah, and really, it's that's not even really that much pizzazz to it. Yeah, uh, it just so, feels a lot more detailed when I look yeah. at all of it comparatively. Like sure, it's yeah. The carts and characters. And, and you said that the uh, Battle Pass, the way you gain XP and progress through it is through challenges and not just playing? 
Oh, yeah. right? you get you get in-game currency when you play the higher you place the more in-game currency you get up to 100 basically but i think you can only get four thousand coins a day yeah it's one of yeah. those yeah yeah, yeah next yikes. on <laughs> like yeah. something like Fortnite, where they had done challenges like land at this place and stuff like that like that i had fun with i i don't know how that works right in a kart racer if that makes sense the challenges are like, really simple complete nine races complete x amount of races in this specific mode it's nothing like win you know x amount of races you know it's okay. it's really the challenges are basically play the game and you gotcha. will earn the challenges eventually which is nice and it probably it took me about i would say it probably took me let's see i've played for seven hours so maybe maybe two hours to knock out every single challenge available premium challenges daily challenges so if you if you're playing if you really do enjoy playing this game yeah you'll knock out the challenges pretty quick but it's like hey you like playing the game so it just throws you it just throws you off a little bit compared to how battle passes are usually just flat out xp based well, it's a bummer when you when you yeah. know you're just playing, especially if you're one of those people who play to unlock stuff. I mean, you're done for the week. You know, your yeah. dailies you can knock out in probably 30 minutes if you know if you're real good. So it's it's a dud there. Um, you can earn emotes in the battle pass. I don't whatever you see those at the trophy screen okay really use those so to me all I want is the carts and the character skins and those aren't there's not a lot of those in the battle pass so I paid five dollars for it I'm whatever I'm fine that it was throwaway money so I just wanted to try it out it's fine it's not again it's not a terrible game there is fun in it it's it's just it's not Mario Kart. It just doesn't yeah. have that spice on it. And and for me, like, you know, the game it's called, you know, Kart Rider Drift. I, I'm just not seeing a ton of drifting as much as I would think if you're gonna put that in your title. Well, like, to be I, fair, I, just... I, I am not the best like cart rider drifter. So uh this is er, this I is just... like super early gameplay for me within like the first hour I was playing. So I'm I'm getting used to it. If I, I, I maybe I can speed it up, but I just mean uh, for like um like course layout. I, I feel like there should be a lot more turns. There's there seems to be a lot of straightaways. Well, this is and this is what I'm saying. All the more difficult courses are behind the challenge challenges. Uh, so okay. I the matchmaking is all the simple courses. Uh, okay. So yes, that's why there's a lot of straights, really short turns, no real S turns, things like that. So uh, okay, I, I appreciate the the thought put into the strategy behind drifting and you know earning boosts. I think that's the most interesting part. It's just it's not interesting enough to make me want to keep playing. So that's Kart Rider Drift. All right, that fun is stuff. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's good. Woo. Liked it. So that will do it for us. Appreciate you watching and listening. We will be back next week. No David though, because you're going on a cruise. Oh yeah. Yeah. Gonna so. rest and relax. 
Yes, go get that before all them hot, them first part of the year video games start coming in. <laughs> yep, yep. Because February is hot. It's coming in. So thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. We will talk to you later.